Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 26 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we are reading chapter 4 of Offworlder, a book I wrote in a month. Well, if you want to contact me, uh, please be sure to run over to jeffreadshisbook.com. We got email, Twitter, Mastodon. You can send me anything you want, including... If you think I'm terrible at podcasting, or this podcast has a lot of noise. Also, while you're at jeffreadsbook.com, you can also purchase a copy of Offworlder and slash or Bringing Balance. Very exciting if you really want to follow along. We have the ebook, which is kind of stupid, because then you got to charge a tablet. Or you can get the print book, which is really exciting. I love my print books, and I should point out Offworlder is printed on cream paper. Ooh, much fancier than Bring Balance. Yes, yes, yes. So today, uh, we do actually have feedback from the last few episodes. Very exciting. So I have uh, two people giving me feedback, right? I have my lovely wife, Laura, who has appeared on the show, sent us in some emails about what she thinks. And I got an unapproved uh, feedback method here. My uh, friend Glenn, also appearing on the podcast, he texted me his answers. Nobody else is allowed to text me their answers. Because <laughs> I'm not giving out my phone number. I Not that anybody listens. I guess it wouldn't even matter. What, am I going to give it to like eight strangers, please? I, you know, that's actually probably pretty optimistic, saying there's eight strangers listening to this, but I can only hope. All right, so if we're going to do some feedback, I'm going to have to flip back, and this is going to be hard, because I'm going to have to do, like, chapter one, chapter two. So let's flip back to chapter one's discussion questions. I don't think Glenn gave me these, but we'll see. Uh, discussion questions. So the first one I asked about how warrior mage classes work. So what does Lara say? She says warrior mage classes. Henry is a, like class 2B or something. Uh, Lara seems to think uh, that the lower number would be better and a higher rank. At least debt ratings work that way. Yes, Lara is an accountant. And that was a very nerdy answer. Now, I'm going to check my phone. I don't think Glenn did Chapter 1. No, I don't think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's only got Chapter 2, so we'll come back to that. All right, what do we got here? My second question, what's your favorite employment form? Uh, my favorite, direct deposit, so my employer knows where to deposit my mad cash. Good answer, Laura. I didn't even think of that. All right, number three, do you know any magical people from Western New York? And she responds, the first person I thought of was Tim Russert, before he even mentioned it. That's right. So I think I said we saw some newscaster who used to host Meet the Press when we went to the Buffalo Museum of History, and Tim Russert was who that was. I don't think I ever got the name right during the podcast. I might be wrong. Oh, oh, uh, so she says it counts. So she's very adamant that Tim Russert is magical. So that's canon now. He's ma magical. All right, let's all remember that. Okay, chapter two. Lara did chapter one and two in the same email, so this is quick. All right, um, let's see. Oh, I was asking about them floating 
What is she talking about? Oh, okay. So, they remember Henry and uh, Janie, they carried their packs to the temple, right, on their back, and they bitched about it a little bit, okay? But once they got to Henry's house, Henry had just, like, floated it over to him. So my question was, why didn't they float their goddamn luggage all the way down to the temple, right? So Lara says, uh, definitely force field of magic in the house. No force field in the fields where they were walking. Interesting. So they're, like, using the house to make that happen. That's like she actually thought about it. I, I, I don't know. That, that seems a little in-depth here. All right. Okay, so Glenn has an answer for this. Okay, so two possibilities, he says. Like Dungeons & Dragons, magic takes concentration, and it would, be sim- it would simply be annoying to have to keep your focus on flying shit around all day. Good point. I think that's kind of what I was implying. Maybe not with concentration-wise, but effort. But, you know, same thing, same thing. Second, they're not lazy shits, he says. All right. We could all drive around on a mobility scooter all day, but we don't for the same reason. Good point. So they were like, just carry the goddamn backpack. I kind of like Glenn's second answer a little more. Yeah. All right. Question two. What do we have? Question two. Could you cook food in a hearth? Uh, so let me see. Laura says, I have a fireplace. I suppose I could try to cook in it like a hearth. She doesn't say that. It's a typo. She says, cook in like a hearth. Laura, check your spelling before you write to me and your grammar. Jeez. It sounds like a pain in the ass, so why even bother? Good point. I wouldn't even try to cook in a hearth unless there was some reason to. All right. So, oh, so Glenn suggests that uh, I certainly could, I could certainly cook on a hearth. You should plug the fantastic 18th century cooking YouTube channel by... Something and something. Should I plug a YouTube? Who cares? Townsend and Sons? I did not watch this yet, but I'll have to. <laughs> all right. All right. Question three. Will we see Alyssa, Devon, and Elliot again? Was what I was asking. All right. So what does Laura say? Oh, I must have talked about Joe a little bit, too. Okay. So she says, I don't have a good feeling about Joe. We're going to see him several times, I suspect. Oh, then she gives counts. Alyssa three, Devon seven, Elliot eighteen. I made up random number random numbers like playing Keno. <laughs> uh, Glenn says, "I hope awkward dude is a red shirt." So that's Joe, <laughs> and gets killed by a parasitic brain bug. Well, that sounds like it would take a lot of imagination, and I've clearly proven I don't have any imagination based on how bad this book is. Glenn then goes on to review the first few chapters and not a fan. (laughs) So he says chapter one and two review. We don't even fucking know why they came to this place yet, but we have to sit through a tortuous orientation meet and greet. (laughs) You could have padded your word count with a few icebreaker games. (laughs) Love it. Okay. All right. So we got to move on. Let's see. Chapter three. Ah, damn it. I lost Glenn's texts. Okay. Um, chapter three. So I haven't even looked at Laura's answers. This is wicked exciting. We need to do the discussion questions by episode because I don't have an index. On my, well, all right. I guess it doesn't matter. Who cares? Uh, have you ever been excited by shoes? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Laura says, ooh, ooh, when I went to see Countess Luann at the MGM Grand, MGM 
Racino we have in Ohio, since we're so classy. I saw a lady wearing very sparkly boots. They were awesome. I was jealous. They were probably expensive, so I'd never buy them anyway. If anybody doesn't know who M- or Countess Luann is, she's on Real Housewives of New York City. Yeah, that's right. I know exactly what show she's on. <laughs> I think her last name is De La Seps, unless she changed it when she got married, but then divorced real quick. Because I've seen all those shows. Yes. All right. Uh, what does Glenn say? I was excited for my first pair of quality snow boots. Those things make me feel invincible in the snow. I've also been horrified by shoes, like the lady who wears shower flip-flops to the office, or the guy who has bizarre formal leather high tops. And then he added a little later, I forgot, the first time I got a pair of Reebok pumps. Well, Glenn, I was trying to point out that you're not supposed to talk about your own shoes. I'm always excited by my own shoes, but it doesn't count if they're your own Reebok pumps. But I think you probably secretly like those leather high tops. That sounds nice. Let's see. Number two. Who's number two? Have you ever said the word Joker outside of car- playing cards? Um, let me see. Laura says, hmm, haha, probably when I make fun of someone's bad joking skills. Quote, haha, what a Joker, or some such jest. Wow. That, I, I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> What, what does Glenn say? Uh, for duck's sake, never. So Glenn's phone regularly corrects the F word to duck. <laughs> oh, and she, he goes on to ask, did she have a cigar in her hand and wiggle her eyebrows? <laughs> nice. All right, let me see. Question three. I'm, we're spending a lot of time on these discussion questions. Now they have three people sending them all in at once. Jesus. All right, question three. Will we ever see Pauline again? How's that name work, right? So what do we got here? Laura says, of course we will see Pauline again. She was introduced as Margot's roommate. Margot misspelled. Wow, that's very upsetting. Uh, so she's obviously a main character, or at least a supporting actress. Aw, uh, Pauline is a cute name. How'd you come up with it? <laughs> as I pointed out, I have no idea. I don't know anybody named Pauline. That's a toughie. Um... So, Glenn says, Pauline is a red shirt, too, and will be beaten to death by a lizard man. <laughs> also, better name than Trevor. Okay, he doesn't like Trevor. <laughs> so, Glenn really thinks that I'm going to come up with some inventive deaths for my main my supporting actresses, apparently. I don't know, man. I, I think we've already point out, pointed out that, uh, yeah... Yeah, it's not going to be an exciting book, right? We had a chapter about employment forms. Come on, let's let's get real. All right. So, all right, that was a lot of discussion question review, but I think it was totally worth it. We had to catch up to this week, you know, so we're up to, we got all our discussion questions up through chapter three. So very, very exciting. I love getting discussion questions. If I get one more person, I'll stop reading everybody's answers. I'll pick out some good ones from each person. So for God's sakes, write in, right? Go to jeffreadsbook.com. Lots of contact pages. None of you can text me except Glenn, all right? That includes Laura. Keep sending him by email because I don't like having to scroll back up through texts. And, I mean, it's not so bad with Glenn, but Laura texts me a lot. So that would be a lot of scrolling on my phone, if it would even work. So today we are reading Chapter 4. It is 4.25 pages is what I wrote here. And, of course, we're going by the print book. Um... 
I did flip through it a little, and I think I pointed out last episode that there's going to be a buttload of freaking names in here. And we're, um, you know what? I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they don't matter. Because <laughs> I think we've gone through most of our main characters already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what? One girl lives with Margot. Uh, so clearly she is somebody, right? And then, um, I don't know, who else do we... Uh, yeah, Janie, Margot, Pauline lives with them. We're probably going to see her again. I don't know. Joe, is he going to come back? Probably. Yeah. We're going to find out together, though, because I'm not sure how much he'll appear or even matter. Right? So, one problem with Chapter 4 being four and a quarter pages long is that there are no drinking breaks. That is a real bummer. And it's a little bit dull. I think we're going to see... Um, little, this is going to be mostly a Henry chapter. We're going to see him do some shit. You know, he is the... I guess title character anyway, right? Eh, who knows? But uh, we'll get to see some stuff. I, I actually made a note that, um, you know what, I'll get to the, a- after the chapter, we'll get back to it. I have a note, a little comment I have about this book so far. But anyway, why don't we just go ahead and dive into chapter four. So we almost had a real catastrophe today, because, you know, after I did the intro here... I thought I was going to have to go upstairs for some more whiskey, more, some whiskey, and uh, my leg fell asleep, so I was going to probably fall over and limp up the stairs. Eh, not, not good, not good, but luckily I had plenty of whiskey, so I didn't have to move at all. Yes, today we're drinking Evan Williams 1783 yet again. You know, I've been going to the same liquor store, and I just can't get freaking Buffalo Trace. It's really annoying me. Especially because when I was in Canada in June, June, I think, tons of freaking Buffalo Trace up there. And I was already carting back enough wine that I really couldn't bring whiskey in the car to. I don't know. I was just, come on. Where is the fucking Buffalo Trace in the state of Ohio? I think maybe... uh, Maybe next week we'll try a different whiskey. Because I feel like the... What? Three of the first four chapters of this book I've been drinking, Evan Williams. So I got to mix it up. But this one's so delicious and cheap, although I don't think it's on sale. If any listeners are in Ohio, I think it's back up to like $21. Ugh, that's a little steep. You might want to go Jim Beam in that case. So I am drinking it, and it is delicious. Mm-mm. My ice is really melted, though, so I can't make the jingle jangle sound real well. Mm. So for no drinking breaks, I really got to get enough in me to get through this chapter, you know what I mean? We might have to make an artificial drinking break, like when there's a bad moment in this book. And there's guaranteed to be one in this chapter, am I right? Okay, chapter four. Henry climbed from bed as the sun rose. He had wanted to be sure to arrive on time for his first morning as a paid wizard. Oh, that's nice. Fishing through his pack, which rested against the dresser full. Okay, one minute, one minute, one minute. All right. Fishing through his pack, which rested against the dresser full, less the whiskey from the previous day. I think the pack is full, not the dresser. And he took whiskey out the previous... This is a real awkward sentence. Ugh. He freed some appropriate, quote, flat... 
he freed some appropriate, quote, fighting clothes. He pulled on thick but surprisingly soft brown pants <laughs> and a basic white long-sleeved shirt. He often missed the casual attire from his home, t-shirts and shorts, but he'd be donning, quote, business casual khakis right now had he remained in his the database administration studies. See, that's a callback to uh, bringing balance or call ahead, because I think he's a database administrator. <laughs> fair trade, he thought, as uh, fair trade, he thought, as he buttoned his shirt. Should that be, if it's like a thought in your head, fair trade was the thought in his head. That probably should be quoted, don't you think? I think so. Yeah, that's definitely typo. He decided on light on a light wool gray robe to rest on his shoulders. He often favored the garment simply because it could appear either dressy or workable, depending on the context. He figured it would be a safe bet considering he had no idea what he'd be getting into this morning. I think I'm transferring my anxiety about getting dressed for things into this book. <laughs> Henry hurried north through the... Ugh. Right? Cardinal directions. You gotta get these car. Uh, can somebody please mail me a map? <laughs> Based on these directions I've made so far. Henry hurried north through the houses under the rising sun to get to the training fields. Having glanced at the map provided in his welcoming materials, he had a general idea of where he was headed. The settlement was still quiet this morning, except for the handful of people headed towards the training grounds. Approaching a broad, well-maintained field, he saw... What does well-maintained field mean? I guess mowed? I am stopping mid-sentence on, like, every other sentence, so I apologize, readers. Let's start this paragraph and see if we can get through it. Approaching a broad, well-maintained field, he saw a group of mages collected at a small building on the edge of the field. He strolled over, falling in behind what he assumed were more senior mages, on their way to the grouping. <laughs> Page turn, sorry. When he arrived, he recognized Devon and Alyssa from the previous night. He walked toward them, and each nodded to him as a greeting. So they were in the freaking orientation meeting, so like two chapters ago. Pretty dull. Okay, but look, their names appeared again. I have to check Laura's count to see how many times they're supposed to appear. <laughs> Looking past the waiting group of newcomers, numbering six by his best guess. Huh, just six? That seems long. He could see two men talking and hunched over a clipboard. One Henry recognized as the balding man from the welcoming committee. The other, a tall man with close-cropped close hair and a runner's slim build, wrapped on the clipboard and looked up. Welcome, everyone, to the Pasturelands, he said. Today, we just want to see what each of you is capable of doing. We'll be starting with some simple exercises, and hopefully we'll be able to have some battles after breakfast. Ooh, battles, exciting. The newcomers in the group, including Devon and Alyssa, all smiled and murmured to themselves at this news. One woman who he thought was the Cindy-slash-Sydney that Janie had pointed out, looked especially pleased. Henry stood silent with an amused grin. So that slash between Cindy and Sydney has a space after it. 
I think we were running into this problem with um, the ebook with dashes. Like, uh, is it a dash when you combine two words? But there'd be like a dash and a space. So I, th- I really fucked up something when I made this. I, I don't know how that works. Yeah. Is it a backslash? No, it's a forward slash. All right. <laughs> For starters, we'll just have each of you step up and do your best against this boulder, the balding man said, pointing at a giant stone floating onto the field behind him, supported by two senior mages. Just try to move it as best you can, as if it were an attacker. Step forward when your name is called. Cindy called the runner, and the blonde woman from the temple stepped forward. Henry watched as she walked into the field, facing the boulder and squatting slightly. She mouthed some words to herself and thrust her right hand forward with a scream. Light exploded from her palm and shot towards the stone, sending it flying for what Henry estimated to be a hundred yards across the field. If you're in Europe, that's almost a hundred meters. Yes. The newcomers clap politely. I picture like golf claps. <laughs> The newcomers clapped politely, and the two organizers made notes on their clipboards. Another name was called, and a man stepped forward to perform the same task on the boulder that was now returned to its original position. While his attack seemed to involve no light from his hand, but instead a massive gust of wind, the result was similar, if not a bit shorter, in terms of distance. A third mage performed similarly, I just don't like to say that word, this time with a fireball. Henry, called the balding man. He stepped out from the back of the little group and walked into the field. He had thought he might be nervous today, but instead he felt relatively confident. He said hi to the two organizers as he walked out to the field, and the runner smiled and nodded back. Originally, he thought, I mean, you know what, we're going to do a drinking break here. That one kind of looked like a wide gap, but it wasn't, so we're going to do a drinking break. Mm. It's not a real one, though, so just FYI. I think I'm interjecting a real whole ton in this chapter. I don't know why. I think I'm trying to be a little defensive about this book, because it is exceptionally dull. But you, you got to stick with me, people. Ooh, and buy a copy at jeffreadsbook.com. <laughs> All right, here we go, here we go. Originally, he thought he might send the heavy stone flying off into the air, one of his most favorite attacks. However, he thought better of it. Saving one signature trick for a fighting test might be a better idea. Instead, he guessed he should keep things rather conventional. Even clever or snarky spells could be considered disrespectful at this stage of training. He decided instead to make a show of trying hard, in quotes, even if it wasn't entirely necessary. Henry usually found that being clever was often superior to pure force, and, in a way, he was keeping to this mantra. Mantra? Mantra. Whatever. Starting with his back to the boulder, he spun quickly into a squat, his right leg bent forward, and thrust both hands toward his target, sending a bright orb of energy crashing into the boulder. As he correctly guessed, it traveled slightly short of Cindy's attempt, but further than the rest. He stood and calmly walked back to the newcomers amidst polite applause. Cindy seemed especially pleased with his attempt. Because it wasn't as far. Eh, what a bitch. 
Looking at his judges, the runner smirked at him, seeming to notice something about about his display. Very nice, almost as far as me, Cindy said as he approached, clearly pleased and exceptionally bitchy. (laughs) Yeah, couldn't quite manage more, he explained with a grin. He passed her and returned to his position behind the others. Ten minutes later, everyone had finished this particular trial. Devon had bested Cindy, but only barely. Henry wasn't sure what was gleaned from the test. Next is a simple speed of reaction test, the balding man explained, making air quotes. Oh, okay, I guess I should have pointed out that speed of reaction is in quotes. All right, we're back. All right. You'll have an arrow fired at you from relatively close range. Your goal is not to be hit. We'll go in reverse order this time, the runner said. Alyssa, you're up. That's not fair at all, because you know what? The people who just finished shooting at that boulder are probably, quote, the most tired. Now they got to deal with this right away? That's, that's lame. It makes the people at the beginning look better. Yeah. I wouldn't do that as a professional coach. No. <clears throat> Alyssa stepped into the field and was directed to stand about 20 yards. 20 yards is pretty close for archery. From a senior mage with a bow and arrow. The older man drew back the bow and Alyssa crouched in readiness. The bow twanged, and Alyssa backflipped near, nearly simultaneously. The arrow sailed harmlessly past her. When she returned to the small group, Henry winked at her. Backflip, I like it, he said. She smiled an overly broad smile and turned to face the field again. Henry was starting to think that these trials were a competition to everyone here except himself. Oh, were a competition to everyone here except himself. So I think he's like, eh, I'm not part of this competition. Except it's not, you know, pointed out explicitly. <laughs> After two more demonstrations, both simply stopping the arrow, Henry walked forward to face him, face the archer. He watched the man in front of him carefully. As soon as he drew the bow, Henry pointed a finger at him. A puff of smoke appeared as the bowspring snapped. Damn it, the archer yelled as the bow dropped from his right hand and the arrow flopped behind him. Henry immediately began walking back to the group. Whoa, whoa, called the balding man. What was that? We told you to stop the arrow. I find the best way to stop a flying arrow is generally to avoid being shot at, he explained calmly. The runner stifled a laugh. Get back over there, the balding man waved. You have another bowstring, Julius? (laughs) He called to the archer. (laughs) All I'm thinking of is orange Julius. (laughs) Henry was not greeted by any applause. An overweight mage, while fat-shaming much, stared at him with his mouth hanging open as he returned to his place at the rear. I can't believe you just did that, he said, moving closer to him. Henry shrugged. Pretty brave, he continued. I'm Pullman. Pulley, if you like. Henry, he replied. He glanced past Pulley to see the archer struggling with a new bowstring. Probably a bad move, do you think? The large mage laughed. Perhaps. Ha <laughs> ha. And that ends chapter four.
Wow. So that was a exceptionally uneventful chapter. I guess we got to see Henry do some magic. And we can see that... You know, I think what I was going for in this chapter is kind of to demonstrate that... Uh, what do I want to say? Like, the warrior mages that he has to work around are kind of, like, competitive and a little douchey, you know? But I don't think it really came across clearly. Reading it out loud, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Henry seems kind of amused by the whole, like, everything, right? But we knew that. He's kind of flippant with just about everything in life, but... I don't know. Not a lot happened in this chapter. We didn't see any other main characters, or at least people we assumed to be main characters. Yeah, it was kind of a dull one. And you know what? That made making discussion questions real hard. So I said I was trying to think of, like, uh, I was trying to compare this book to something, because now he's, like, a training. And it occurred to me, like, <laughs> this book's a lot like, uh, I want to say Harry Potter, except not interesting and the characters aren't likable <laughs> and wow not interesting i mean we can say that twice because jesus christ nothing is occurring in this book trust me it gets better a little bit maybe maybe gets better is not the right term things happen in the book it just hasn't happened yet Ugh, yeah. i guess this backstory character building is really just making me fall asleep. <laughs> Not a huge fan of this. <laughs> this is what happens when you write a book in a month with no planning whatsoever. I'm just flipping through, though. I'm going to look at Chapter 5 a little bit. Looks like it's a little longer. We're back to some, I don't know, more recognizable characters, maybe. So we met a few characters in this chapter, so I'm really interested to see how many times they're going to appear in the book now that they've appeared in one chapter. Because we all remember that Frederick, I even pointed out reading it, that I thought that was the only time he was going to appear in all of Bringing Balance, and he was in like every other chapter. <laughs> it was brutal, but... We're going to see. We're going to just have to read the book and see because I'm not particularly sure how many times these names are going to come up again. Well, you know what? That intro was real long. So why don't we just jump right in to our discussion questions for chapter four. Okay. Let's see. Question one. Henry is thinking about how he used to be a, or was training to be a database administrator. Back in the world of science, right? So, he pointed out he would have to wear khakis to work and dress business casual. Discussion question one, what's your opinion of business casual? I will explain that I freaking hate it, right? That means when somebody says business casual, I'm furious because that means nothing to me. Also, at this point, since I work from home, that like stockpile of clothing has dropped significantly. Like, if I got to go business casual twice in a week, which is rare, I've got a problem on my hands. I got to do laundry because I don't have enough clothes to make that happen anymore. <laughs> I freaking hate business casual. Just say casual or suit. That The in-between makes me insane. I freaking hate it. Yeah. So what's your opinion of business casual? I'm sure 
Some of you have real jobs, not like me, right? I know, I know, uh, the lovely Laura definitely has a real job and she does have to wear, she wears business though, so whatever. I think, eh, do women have it easier with business casual? That's like a part two to this question. I think maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Business casual stinks. I, as I pointed out in the book when he was trying to decide what to wear, I felt that was like me projecting my own, uh, what do I want to say, uh, insecurities about what I'm wearing to anything into the book. And it really didn't come across, well, you know what I mean. That is something I worry about, and that's probably why I dedicated two chapters to it, <laughs> or two paragraphs, I'm sorry. All right, question two in this chapter. Henry breaks that bowstring, right? And the bald guy, ooh, does he have a name? He might have had a name in the last chapter, two chapters ago. Chapter two, he might have had a name. Eh. Oh, no, no, no. He was at the welcoming committee. He wasn't named at the front of the temple. Okay, all right. So he probably doesn't have a name yet. Anyway, um, he's like, whoa, 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 after Henry breaks the bowstring. How do you spell whoa? Huh? How about that? So in this book, it is spelled W-H-O-A. But I believe when I write it, it was W-O-A-H. And I think some sort of nonsense internet search made me think it was W-H-O-A. So how do you spell whoa? How do you spell the word whoa? And you know what? In fairness, I probably shouldn't have put it in the book if I'm not sure. But I was pretty sure it was W-O-A-H. And I think I changed every instance of it in the book. I don't know how to spell that. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay, uh, question three. This is a good one. This is going to be a puzzler for everybody. I have already written down the answer, but how many names are included in this chapter? And we're not going to count Henry, so remove Henry from that. How many, how many people's names appear in this chapter? This one's tricky because it's just tricky. So you have to figure out how, and you know what? Um, if if Henry's not sure what their name is, it counts as one because that's a little bit cheating. So all right, all right. So not counting Henry, how many names? Because I said there were a lot of names in this chapter. We're not going to do how many times are we going to see them appear? Because spoiler alert, eh, not that much. But just you know, look at it and you know, let me know. Let me know how many names you think I used. And I'll say that looking at the list, eh. It's a, maybe a little better than some of them. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's rough. It, you all know that I can't think of names, so I am. They're very white boy suburban names, and they're pretty bad. I didn't try to make this sound like a fantasy novel, and why I didn't, I'm not sure. You know, I they, they're not names like you'd see in, um, you know, Lord of the Rings or something. They're just fucking stupid names. <laughs> They're stupid white boy names for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So give me your best guess at how many names appeared in this chapter. <laughs> That's a great discussion question, don't you think? So I will add, don't you think it was a little weird in this chapter that the two guys running those trials and asking people to come shoot at a rock, they never introduced themselves. Not at all. And honestly, I have no idea what their names are. I think their names come up in the book, but I don't know what they are. 
And it's a little annoying. You'd think they'd say, I am blah, blah, blah. Like, like in chapter two, those two freaking spoons that were up at the front of the temple, they told you who they were. But not these people. Yeah, what jerks. I feel like this is a real, the warrior mage scene, kind of bro-y, right? Hey, bro, what's up? Yeah, it's kind of, ugh. Makes me just shiver with just disgust. (laughs) Whenever anybody says the word bro to me, I'm trying to think. I think it happened yesterday. I was at a soccer game and I told the ref, like, hey, good game. He's like, oh, thanks, bro, or something like that. I was just like, oh, bro, really? Jesus Christ. Don't say bro. Not cool. It's not cool at all. (laughs) Anyway, um... Let's see. What else do we have to talk about? I mean, that was chapter five. I mean, it was just... Or chapter four, I'm sorry. It's just not an exciting chapter. The whole book is extremely dull. I I would think if anybody were to buy this book at random, they would already be checked out. They would be like, this is not for me. (laughs) It's not for anybody, honestly. I, I don't know who would this appeal to. Somebody who enjoys meetings or like bureaucracy, maybe? I don't know. It's a rough one so far. I swear to God, things happen in the book. It gets a little better. So, any anyway. All right. Why don't we wrap this up? So, if you do want to tell me that this book is exceedingly dull, why don't you go over to jeffreadshisbook.com where I have some contact information. And you can contact me via email at jba at sdf.org. Or if you want to use Mastodon because you're a giant nerd or dork. Nerds are the smart ones? I'm trying to think uh, Milhouse on The Simpsons. He had the uh, fine points of this. Oh, because I think somebody called him a nerd. He said, I'm a dork. Nerds are smart. I think that's what it was. (laughs) So... All right, if you're a big dork, you can head over on to Mastodon in the Fediverse, and you can contact me at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Or if you're on Twitter, I'm at Fortran Jeff. Feel free to get in touch with me and tell me how bad this book is so far. Otherwise, why don't you answer the discussion questions? i got to pick some favorites, and i got... I guess this is an improvement over last season, but I got like just two people writing in. So come on, come on, step it up, people. Write in, send some discussion questions or just your best guess at how many names were in that last chapter. But uh, until next time, I'm a little sad to say goodbye today, but I'm enjoying this way too much, you know what I mean? But anyway, until next time, keep on reading. 